Jewish Money Matters, episode 274, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Ask Yael Friday. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome back to the show. How is everyone doing? It has been a whirlwind of a week. I had a short stay in Chicago, very short stay, in and out, actually. I went to drop off one of my kids in high school there. Big, big step. Needless to say, it was a whirlwind of emotions. Um, We had fun. Actually, we did. Um, But of course, it was bittersweet. Thankfully, so far, so good in terms of adaptation. And you know, if you ever need tips on sending kids away from home, reach out. I'm already on my second rodeo doing this. But you didn't hear you didn't come here (laughs) to hear about this. Um, You came here to hear me answer your questions and questions we have. A little bit of housekeeping. We didn't have, um, we didn't have an episode on Monday, but we had a great mini so late last week on elevating the workplace. Uh, I encourage you to listen to that. It's kind of a wrap up, a commentary on, on one of our previous episodes uh, with Claire Wasserman. Um, and I think I've gotten a lot of feedback on that. So thank you for that. Um, so you could tune in. Um, last episode was Elevating the Workplace. And we're going to have a more more in the coming weeks. We're going to have more episodes like that as we approach Rosh Hashanah, um, a shorter sound bites, um, inspirational, you know, kind of perspective. I, I want to spice things up a little bit. I really like the mini sewed concept. I've always wanted to make it a more constant thing. Um, and I think this time of year is uh, perfect for that. So I'm feeling really inspired. So stay tuned for that. We're going to have a lot more than that. In fact, this episode of Ask Yell is going to have a lot more um, commentary in terms of, you know, stories and kind of going a little bit deeper. Um, so even though the questions are technically about finance, the answer might actually be, you know, quite unique or quite different, which I try to, I hope this show, um, you know, gives you a, a different perspective. It's, I, I don't want it to be the traditional personal finance show. Um, and I think it's, 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 um, it's challenging to strike that balance between, you know, having interviews that give us the very practical and very, you know, um, matter of fact, what's going on and, you know, how to do things on a very practical level and still balancing out with that elevated conversation, that higher perspective. And that's what I aim to do. So um, uh, you're going to hear more on that as or kind of that flair as the show goes on and continues. And of course, your feedback is going is always welcome. I'm going to go straight to the mailbag because I don't see any recent reviews on Apple Podcasts. And again, it's a little tricky because I'm looking at the US platform. I could go in right now and do a little digging on the different um, podcast, uh, Apple Podcast country specific pages. But I'll, I'll do that next week. I'll hunt for those next week. In the meantime, please do leave those reviews as they really help the show. Actually, I will share a review. I will share something that just came on email via email, uh, not just probably earlier this week. Um, it's a review that came into my inbox. It's not necessarily about the show, but it does reference the show. And it was really nice to see in my inbox. So 
This is a message from Rivka. And she says, I just wanted to let you know that my husband and I are in the middle of taking your course on Jewish workshops. That's the Jewish money makeover. And we are really enjoying it. I also just started listening to your podcasts and they are really great. We work hard, but it feels like we never have enough money and we know nothing about investing. So we are a bit overwhelmed, but we're excited to finally get a handle on our money emotionally and practically. Thank you so much for everything. Well, thank you, Rivka. This is just great to hear. I'm glad you're enjoying the course and I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast. And I think listening to the show in conjunction with obviously with taking the course is going to really give you that, uh, you know, that knowledge, hopefully uh, practical and just give you also that emotional kind of like that person and that mindset, that perspective. And we do talk a lot about investing on the show and you'll get that on the course too. So keep tuning in and hopefully, you know, it's like my friend, Barbara Houston, who's been on the show many times. She says, make it a point to learn a little bit about money every day, right? Just listening. It just starts. We're getting that education little slowly, but surely we're shaping our mindset. Um, and hopefully we're doing it the Jewish way. <laughs> That's why we're here. All right. So thank you, Rivka, for taking the time to send that email. And again, I'm really glad. So let's hit the mailbag. We have questions on budgeting um, and earning more and on Sadaka. Um, I'm going to tackle first the question on Sadaka. This one comes from Yvonne via WhatsApp. And it's really on how to prior, prioritize our giving. So um, she wanted to get clarity on basically how do I prioritize, you know, what I'm giving. I know you, you talk about Meister a lot, and I I understand the importance, but you know, you know, how do I take care of, you know, she was referencing. I'm not going to read the whole question, but I'm just going to tell you exactly how she kind of how she was saying. She was referencing the Torah's. Um, the Torah's command to take care of the widow, take care of the orphan. So how do all these things apply? So Yvonne, let's get really practical. There is an order of priority in Jewish giving. Um, and it's according to the Rambam Maimonides, uh, Maimonides. Um, and it's basically how do I select which of the needy out there to prioritize, right? How do I, how, how do I prioritize my giving? So number one, it's relatives. Now within relatives, there's an order. Okay, so the first order of priority is your relatives, your family members. Now, within that, A or one, right? A would be parents. B would be your children. Obviously, your children that aren't um, at an age where they can't support themselves. Um, supporting your children when they can't support themselves is not charity, but it's talking about, let's say, adult children, right? So your parents, your adult children, um, your siblings, and then other family members. And that might even include a distant cousin, okay? Because they are a relative, they fall into a category of relatives. So number one is relative. That's relatives, family members. That's parents, children, siblings, other family members, including a distant cousin. Number two, after relatives, is your neighbor. Number three is the poor in your city. Number four, the poor in Israel, in Eretz Israel. And number five, the poor in other cities in your country. Okay. So just note that the poor in Eretz Israel take precedence over the poor in other cities in your country. Okay. So relatives, your neighbor, the poor in your city, the poor in Eretz Israel, the poor in other cities in your country. Now I have, I think I've said this before that within that, Yvonne, there is a lot of room for where your individual heart is inclined. So that is the order of priority. But within that, of course, you know, the poor in your city, there, 
you have room there to where, you know, there could be poor in your city that you um, feel towards the widow or you feel towards the the child who needs help with tuition or you feel right. You have a lot of room for where you are inclined, where your emotions move you more, right? The same thing with the poor in Eretz Israel. So what, what, what in Eretz Israel, there are many causes, right? So there's, there's this hierarchy, but then there's room for you as a person. Okay. What, what part of the, what corner of the world do you feel inclined to fix? And then I will add, even though that wasn't your question specifically, but I think it is important to mention here, also, according to the Rambam Maimonides, the eight levels of giving. I think it's important for us to know this. Okay. So the eight levels of giving are number one, preventative method. So that means when you give a person a job or a loan to start a business, to establish a partnership, to teach them a trade or any other way to get them on their feet, it's the teach them how to fish, right? Concept. Okay. That's number one. That is the highest level. Number two is the level where the giver does not know to whom he's giving and the receiver does not know who the giver is. So it's completely anonymous on both ends. Neither of them know about who they are, right? Who's giving and who's receiving. The receiver doesn't know who gave him. The giver doesn't know who's taking. Okay. That's level number two. Level number three is where the giver does know who the receiver is, but the receiver does not know who gave it to him. Level number four is where the receiver knows who is giving it to him, but the giver does not know to whom he's giving. Then beyond or below, I guess, um, those four levels, then there are other lower, there are lower levels, which include which really include when now both receiver and giver know about each other, right? So then now we're at a point where they both know about each other, which is obviously a lower level. So what is the order then? Then we have like, I guess we're at number five, right? We giving the poor person before he asks for help, right? That's better than the next level, which is giving the poor person after he asks for help. Then there's the seventh level, which is not give him everything one could give, but give it in a pleasant manner. And number eight, give it in an unpleasant manner. Okay. So those are the eight levels of giving. Uh, and if you notice, we are here when, when we look at these, we notice something very, very obvious, which is that they, they, this, this retains the dignity of the person, right? The, so again, the the highest level is preventative. It's teaching the person how to fish, right? It's getting them on their feet. The next level is where the giver does not know and to whom he's giving and the receiver does not know who the giver is, right? So again, it really preserves both these preserve the dignity of the person. The third level is the giver does not know who the receiver is, right? Again, protecting the dignity of that receiver, but the receiver does not. But I mean, I'm sorry, the giver does know who the receiver is, but the receiver does not know to who gave it to him. And then we have the receiver knows who is giving him, but the giver does not know to whom he's giving. And then of course there's, you know, giving the person before he asks for help, giving, having that sensitivity, giving to the poor person after he asked for help goes below that, not give him everything that one could give, but give in a pleasant manner. And then lastly, give it in an unpleasant manner. The, I will say also that giving so that giving tzedakah should always be given with a pleasant manner, with a glad heart, with a smile. Okay. To do, to not do so, 
um, is really not proper, regardless of how much you give. And it, it really is absolutely prohibited to embarrass someone when we give them tzedakah. Really, absolutely prohibited, okay? Now, one last comment on this. And again, I know this is a very long answer to just a question of priority, but I just think the the subject warrants, you know, kind of reviewing and, you know, I think this is a show to review it, right? Um, that is the last comment on this topic is that Judaism requires that if possible, we should give whenever we see someone in need. So we want to get ourselves accustomed to understanding the Ashkaha, the divine intervention, the divine providence that if God, um, that if God is pointing you something, right? If you're seeing something, it's because it's a message. If by divine providence, I was exposed to someone's lack, then that's a clear indication that I can do something about it. So we always have to give what we can. And sometimes it can't be money. So if it's not money, at least a smile, an encouraging word, an advice, a contact, a connection, right? And this is, of course, all aside from that minimum 10% of MISER, which has to inevitably be set aside for charitable purposes, right? So again, we we give our MISER, but in general, if we're seeing somebody in need, you know, we should extend the hand, right? Um, I know here on the show, so many people have said, and I've said it myself before, I love giving to the person in the street. Do I make a calculation and say, oh, this came out of my Meister account? No, not necessarily. I could, but I don't have to, right? Um, I'm happy to give. Um, and I think we should look at it that way. Uh, okay. So the question is, the second question is from Bela. And Bela writes on WhatsApp, she says, I'm working on my budget, but I'm having trouble understanding what to do when you see that you're just making it or even going in the red. What does one do then to change lifestyle isn't so easy and to earn more money is sometimes not possible. Okay, great question, Bela. I think we're going to take it in pieces. And I think I'm going to go a little bit deeper on this because I think we this warrants a little bit of like a mindset shift on some levels for all of us, not just you, Bela. This is just continuous work for all of us. Okay. So on a very, you know, on a very tactical level regarding the budget, right? Working on the budget and seeing what you're seeing in the numbers. I want to say that this is why I love Mara Strum's approach. Mara's been on the show. She's also been, you know, she's being a guest speaker on my program several times. And her approach of, of when she budgets or when she teaches budgeting, which I is the way that I teach it also based on how she taught it to me and to my students is labeling your expenses in the following way, labeling them as fixed, as variable essential and as variable non-essential. And I think I don't have to go into an explanation of what that means, right? We all know what our fixed expenses are. We all understand that we have variable expenses, but we have variable expenses that are essential, like our water, our electricity, right? And we have variable expenses that are non-essential because when you see the totality of what you're spending and where you're spending it and you see, oh, I'm, I'm barely making it or I'm in the red, then you can immediately, if you've categorized things, if you've labeled them, you can immediately go see where do you, where can I make adjustments, right? And the first place you should be looking to make adjustments is in the variable non-essential expenses, right? The Uber Eats and the Ubers and the whatever they might be, right? Then if you need to, you can go find some money, right? Because we're looking for for that that money to make our budget um, come to zero, right? If you need to, you then can move 
into your variable essential expenses, right? And see what you can cut there, where you can find some money there. And then as a last resort, of course, we go to our fixed expenses, but that's not such an easy proposition, right? It's not, yeah, they might be really big, but it's not so easy to on a, on a short-term basis, I should say, to change the, those, right? As you mentioned, yeah, changing lifestyles, it's not so easy, especially when we're talking about selling your house, moving, changing cars. I mean, these things are longer-term propositions that take time and sometimes some money also. Can they be done? Of course, they can be done, but oftentimes, not in a short amount of time. So yeah, it might be that you find yourself, Bela, in a situation where you say, okay, listen, I can cut variable non-essential. And I even found some that I could cut some of the variable essentials, but I'm still barely making it. I'm either in the red or I'm not able to save for any of the goals that I have, or, you know, literally, which means that I'm literally living paycheck to paycheck. So other than suggesting that perhaps our fixed expenses are way too high relative to the money we bring in, this might also be suggesting that there is an income challenge, right? It's, it's becomes really obvious and we see that we need to make more money. And so here's where I want you to understand that going through this exercise is actually really helpful because now you know exactly how much more you need to make. And that is really powerful and really helpful. And one of the reasons is because now you can pray with specificity. And again, it's not something that anybody else is going to tell you, but I think it's important for us to remember this. I was actually reading um, something a few weeks ago on Parsha's Vaishana. I think it was, yeah, I think it was that week. I was reading about the importance of praying and praying specifically with, with specificity, with detail, that when one prays, one shouldn't speak in vague, ambiguous terms. Like we shouldn't say, oh, God knows what I mean. I mean, come on, he knows everything, right? Instead, we should speak clearly and we should say what we want to say. So in fact, when I was reading this, I was learning that there is a midrash that it's very interesting and very cryptic. In fact, it describes this man who was exhausted after walking a long distance. And so he prayed for a donkey. He said, Hashem, please send me a donkey, right? He's exhausted. This is a medrash again. He walked on, he, he kept going and he bumped into this high ranking official and the official's donkey had just given birth to a baby. So the official commanded this Jewish man to carry the baby donkey, donkey to the official's home. So now the guy is schlepping with the donkey. He's already exhausted. Now he's carrying the donkey on his shoulders. And he said, this happened to me because I prayed for a donkey, but I didn't express myself clearly. I didn't say I wanted a donkey to ride on. My prayers were answered. I received a donkey, right? But instead of writing it, I have to carry it. So it's a very strange medrash. And as I was learning this, um, I read in the name of Reb Moshe Minder, which forgive me, but I had, I do not know exactly. I have to look up um, this sage. I do not know who it is, but I was reading this. It was actually coming from Rabbi Binderman and he was quoting Reb Moshe Minder. Minder, if you're not receiving Rabbi Binderman's emails, you totally should. But anyway, that's besides the point. And Rabbi and Minder asked the, he answers the, you know, the question, the obvious question, like, why is it so important to express ourselves when we're praying when we pray, right? Which is what I told you to do. If God knows what we need and what we mean, what does it matter? And why is this man in the Midrash, quote unquote, punished, right? With carrying the baby donkey? I mean, doesn't, you know, like, does it really warrant a such a consequence, such a quote unquote punishment, not expressing yourself properly, right? So what Rav Moshe Minder answers is that this has to do with really the root of the problem behind not being specific in our prayers. And the root, he says, 
is really that we are forgetting that when we pray, we're really like a child asking his father. And if we would really understand and internalize this level, this relationship that we are God's child, in fact, God's only child, as the Lubavitcher Rebbe stressed, right? Like for, for how God, God loves us like, like an only child born to, to, to parents in their old age. And, that, and as the Rebbe said, and that's only because we can't even grasp it. That's the, only, the, 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 the more, you know, the, what we can even imagine, we can't grasp what level of love, but that's, as, you know, the example that we can at least comprehend, right? If we can only internalize that God is our father who wants to listen, we would express ourselves clearly. We wouldn't mince words. We would express ourselves well. So this man's mistake was that he didn't feel close to God, explains Rabbi Minder. And this really, really resonated with me. And that's why I'm sharing it because I'm a mother, right? And I see this clearly. And if you have a child in your home who is not your child, right? It's your friend's, right? Um, your, your, your child's friend, and you ask them, what do you want? They will tell you, oh, anything is fine. Yeah, I'm good with that. Sure, it's fine. But if they're your child, they will tell you exactly what chicken they want, how they want it, the one that you make like this, but not like that. And the one that where you don't put this and you don't put that and the one that goes with this side dish and not that one, right? Or when your child asks you for a gift, for a present, for something, he doesn't just say, I want you to buy me something. I want a gift, right? He actually, you notice how kids get really specific. He says, he or she says exactly what toy or what gadget or what item, what color, from what brand, from what store, right? How the size, et cetera, et cetera. Like they get very specific. This is what I want. Why? Why? Because they're in a relationship because they're, they're your child. You're their parent. So I wanted us to remember that, that in a, and I've talked about this before, but I think it's worth remembering specifically now we're in the month of Elul. It's a time when we know the king is in the field, meaning that God is more accessible and he's more receptive to our questions than when he's in the palace, sort of speak, right? Again, we've talked about this before, hopefully on the show, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think, I think especially now that we have this auspicious time, let's say, um, where the relationship with God is is in that level of there is definitely that energy of God being more accessible. This is definitely a message that we can take to heart and we can start practicing. Of course, it's applicable all through the year, but I think it's an ideal time to start practicing that specificity in prayer and get used to having that level of closeness in the relationship that naturally results in specific requests without any trepidation, without any qualms. All right. Um, and again, it is Elul, so it is a time to do all that kind of spiritual accounting, but also that financial accounting, right? And we want to also say, okay, how much miser do I want to give next year? And then, you know, say to Hashem, okay, so this is how much money I need, right? So we really want to get very specific on our numbers. So this whole exercise that you're doing, Bela, of budgeting, it seems like you're working on that right now. It is really, really powerful. Don't get discouraged. See it as such an opportunity to, you know, power up your prayers, right? Um, now, having said all that, I will take one piece of your question and I'm going to disagree with you. And that is the piece where you mention that earning more money is sometimes not, not possible. I think earning money is actually a lot easier than we make it out to be. We just tend to get in the way. Our ego gets in the way. And I know this is a hard one to swallow and not everybody's going to love what I'm about to say, right? And it is probably an entire conversation we can have another time. Um, you know, uh, we could have podcast episode after podcast episode after podcast episode on this, but I do want to 
tell you something. Most of us are sitting on a gold mine of knowledge and capability and areas where we're passionate and we know how to make a difference. We're just lacking the confidence and the courage to go put it out there and sell it. Be, you know, it, yeah, we'd rather continue to hold on to the belief that making money is hard. And I, and I get that. It's a comfortable place. It's where we were trained to be. It feels safe. It's what we know. So I do know that this is, you know, kind of a paradigm shift and it doesn't sit well with anyone, especially at, at first, but it needs to be said. Um, so if you, if going back to what you, the exercise you're doing, yes, if you can cut amazing, great. You're doing great work. If you see, you also need to be making more. And most of us do, by the way, then let's resort to some of our tools in our arsenal, in our Jewish arsenal, prayer. Pray for sure. Pray for sure. Pray trust and trust and then trust some more. Do not allow yourself to worry. Instead, you know, build that trust and take action. This is so important. Taking the action, getting resourceful, getting creative, enthusiastic. But again, all those things, taking that that enthusiastic action with curiosity, with excitement, with you know, with enthusiasm, and being in that state of resourcefulness. It requires us to be in that state of trust. That's why I said trust, right? It is hard to be resourceful and creative and enthusiastic when we're consumed with worry. Have you noticed that, right? We get tunnel vision. So again, I want to emphasize that trust is the foundation of the entire financial system. And with curiosity and with enthusiasm, then see where you and your spouse, if you're married, I don't, I'm not sure could be doing something different than what you've been doing up till now to serve the world in exchange for money, right? Making that value exchange. And while you're working on that, I'm building that, of course, you might stay on a very lean budget and you might be making trade-offs and that's okay. We we all go through this process. It's normal, but know why you're doing it. Stay with that enthusiasm. Know where you want to get, right? Stay in that place of trust and confidence and relying on God Almighty, right? And, and with that specificity with prayer, right? Don't let this really drag you down, but stay again, I know it's easier said than done and it takes work. I'm not saying like, you know, this is a switch, but me saying it hopefully lights a fire and it's just nourishing. Hopefully, hopefully I hope um, <laughs> nourishing that part of us that, you know, sometimes we need that reminder and that nourishment. Let's stay in that zone of trust. Let's keep that creativity, that curiosity, that resourcefulness, that enthusiasm up. It's so, so important. In fact, I will tell you something. It's not coincidence. It's all divine providence that this, as I'm, as we're talking, this is the week of Parsha's Shoftim, this Torah portion of Shoftim, where the Torah says not to fear, right? Not to fear when we go out to war, which is really so in, in, incredible that this idea of this commandment of not to fear is actually one of the most repeated words in Torah. It appears less than, no less, I'm sorry, no less than 80 times, 80 times the Torah um, mentions that we shouldn't fear, right? Altira, um, not fear, all, you know, different iterations of the same words. And this is an important reminder because the problems might seem obviously tremendous and overwhelming. And even the, even the question of how do I make more money might be overwhelming for some of us. But remember, God is so much, much greater than the problems. It's like, you know, that famous phrase that says, do not tell God how your problems are, how big your problem, how big or how great your problems are. Tell your problems how big God is or how great God is, right? That's, that's the adage, right? 
It reminds me of that story that you probably maybe have heard with Reb Mendel Vitvesk, who wrote to his Hasidim. And he was saying, every year I've been receiving letters from the Jewish community and I don't know what place and some other place, right? They used to write to him. And, and he wrote to the Hasidim. He said, every year I get letters from this place, from the community, and they're always complaining that they don't have um, livelihood. They don't have Parnassah. And it was really painful for me to read their letters. But this year, they didn't mention Parnassa. They didn't mention livelihood. So I'm certain that they will be successful. So it's, it's, it's a great, it's, it's a great story and a great reminder because in this story, he's suggesting that their worries were the source of the problem. In fact, Ramendel Vitvesk explains that a person is where his thoughts are. So when they trust in God, they're attached to God's kindness. That's where we are. That's, that's, that's a zone that I talk about, right? But when they're worried, what are they linked to? They're bound to din, to limitation, right? To, to, to the limits of nature. And therefore that's what they receive. So we have to get past this. Um, and it's, it's work, but it's definitely work that's accessible to us. It's definitely accessible to us. That's why we have it. Right. So it is a powerful message, hopefully. And, and I think we should all take it to heart, myself included. And by, by the way, I work on this all the time. We have to know to attach ourselves to the source, to infinity and not to get stuck in that limited reality, the limitation, the reality of nature. Um, in fact, there's, Another story of Reb, the Reb, Rebbe Bunim of Pesischa, I think that's how it's pronounced, right? You know, I think maybe some of you might know who I'm talking about. So anyway, there's there's a really a really nice story that he wanted to give a, a bracha blessing to a man who helped him, and he asked the man, "What blessing do you want?" And so the man replied, "I want a, a blessing to have livelihood, parnasa, in abundance." And so the Rebbe Bunim of Pesischa replied, I will give you a bracha that you shouldn't worry because God doesn't give parnasa to those who worry. God gives parnasa to those who ask, right? So I'm going to say that again. It's so, so good, right? I will give you a bracha that you shouldn't worry because God doesn't give parnasa to those who worry. God gives parnasa to those who ask. So we have to, we have to take the words of the Torah to heart, not to fear, right? Not to go into that state of worry. And like we said before, it's it's a state of din of limitation and go into a higher reality where we're connecting to God's kindness. That's where we're completely trusting. Now, on a final note, especially because we're approaching Rosh Hashanah, believe it or not, um, we're going to read the story of Hannah on Rosh Hashanah, as you might know. And Hannah, as you all know, went to the Mishkan to pray for a child. And we know that we learn to pray from, from Hannah, right? Um, and the Navi Shmuel says that she didn't have a sad face anymore. And we see, I read this also from Rabbi Binderman, that we see that Hannah prayed and she trusted that God would answer and that the combination of, of prayer and that optimism brought about her salvation. So um, I hope that is helpful. I told you guys this was going to be a, a, a real mix of the practical and the <laughs> and the spiritual. Um, thank you so much, Anonymous. And thank you, Bela, for submitting your question. Oh, no, it wasn't Anonymous. It was Bela and Yochev, Yvonne, Yvonne. Sorry, guys. Okay. So thank you for those two questions. Um, and thank you, Rivka, for that beautiful review um, on email, via email. And be sure to keep sending in those questions. I'll be back next week. We have a really fun interview about getting ourselves organized, especially now that the holidays are coming. Um, as I said, we'll keep up with those 
um, mini sales, I'll try to, to do those. And maybe I'll even go live on Facebook and talk to you about the episode and uh, we can connect there. I'll let you know. We're starting a new program on trust on Bitachon. So stay tuned for that. I will let you know. And then we have another really exciting program, a, a short course coming up for you, all building up, hopefully helping different people at different levels. So, you know, stay tuned for that. And you can always reach out, email me, yael at yaeltrush.com. Be sure to leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, we want to hear from you. Leave a review on your Apple podcast app, and I will see you here next week. Have a Shabbat Shalom. Shalom.